0: Hello, beloved, and welcome to this evening message, where we are continuing with the book of Revelation, and specifically we are getting to the end of Revelation chapter 7. I would like us to read from verse 14, and then verse by verse from there on, so that we can just get the background um, as we continue with our study. Before we continue, though, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the book of Revelation. Thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ, that we can uh, read the book of Revelation and get to know Christ better, get to know about Him, get to know about the revelation of the future, uh, also the past and the present. Oh, Father, thank you so much that we can um, study this, this amazing Bible book and Find the the jewels that are locked up in it. I pray that you will please open up your word to us today and uh, enable me as your servant to teach your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14, and it says, And I said to him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There's a few things here. We touched on it last time. Now, one of the things that we can say to one another is that this verse tells us something about our salvation. Um, He said to me, These are they who come out of the great tribulation, and what have they done? They've washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the lamb, which means that they've been cleansed of their sin, because that's what the blood of Jesus Christ does. Nah, it cleanses us of our sin. All right. So they are they, they've cleansed their their robes that they obviously will wear when they uh, enter into the marriage feast of the lamb, now the wedding feast of the lamb, when they come before Christ. Those robes that they wear must be white because if they're not clean then they will not be accepted into uh, the the marriage feast of the lamb they won't be accepted into heaven they won't be accepted into eternal life because for us to enter into eternal life and uh, to stand before christ one day we have to be clean and that's what the blood of jesus christ does it cleanses us from the penalty the power uh, of sin it washes us from the, condemn- the, the I can say not condemnation. Yeah, the condemnation of sin. It washes us from the pollution of sin. That's what, what it does. So these saints that come from the tribulation are those who came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, they come through the tribulation. They are saved. Most probably, uh, the book of Revelation tells us that quite a few Christians are going to lose their lives. Believers are going to lose their lives. They're going to be uh, persecuted for their faith by the Antichrist. Uh, he's going to, uh, especially when, when God gives the saints over into his hands for a time, then he is going to definitely kill uh, quite a few of God's people. All right. And the reason for that is because Satan hates God's people. All right. And remember that the Antichrist is going to be, let's say, uh, possessed by the devil. Uh, The devil is going to take over. Lucifer is going to take over. And the Antichrist will be like a human being possessed by the devil himself, Satan himself. Okay. And... um, So he's going to persecute God's people. Many of them will die. But they are the martyrs that comes through the tribulation period. All right, now let's get to verse 15. It says, Therefore are they before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. Oh, this is God among his people, or Christ among his people. Such a beautiful picture. How God, the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, how He would dwell among His people. Because God loves His people. There, it seems sometimes if we read the Scriptures as if uh, God is all about wrath and, and He wants everything to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then He comes down with judgment and He destroys whoever is in his way. But beloved, when it comes to God's people, you can we can clearly see how much God loves them. God dwells among his people here in Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. But we've seen it in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, after they sinned, it was God who came to them. Uh, it was God who asked them what were they doing. It was God who, uh, who, who slaughtered an animal to basically, as a substitute for their sin, basically, to cover up their sin. Because God loves His own. It is a, it, it is true. God doesn't allow His, His people just to do whatever they want, that's for sure. That's where discipline comes in. Beloved, but we don't even do it to our children. We don't leave our children to do whatever they want whenever they want to do it. No. What we do is we make sure that our children do what we want them to do. We discipline our children when they step out of line. And God is exactly the same. All right. Let's just read verse 15 again. He says, Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Now, beloved, we as believers are basically spiritually be thought before the throne of God already. Now you remember Ephesians chapter two, that we are already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right. So spiritually speaking, we are before the throne of God already. Okay. Because we follow Christ. Uh, We received his salvation. We are washed in his blood and we believe in his resurrection. We, uh, We will be resurrected with him one day. But spiritually speaking, we already have our position in Christ, and that is a position in the heavenlies, a position in heaven with Christ. Okay, we are His servants. And we dwell where He is, and we dwell there forever. Now, it's interesting that this verse speaks about day and night in His temple. But you know what? In heaven there is no night. Remember, Scripture teaches us that God Himself is the light that shines in the new Jerusalem. God is the one who is light. It is like creation. When when we read creation in Genesis chapter 1, we see that before the sun existed on the fourth day, there was light already. And that light basically illuminated from God. It was the light of God. We can most probably say it is your kind of glory that shines forth and it's God that brings light. All right. Now verse 15 says, um, it says, therefore uh, are they before the throne of God and they serve Him day and night in His temple. That's an expression to say that these that are spoken of in this verse they basically um they they serve him they worship him they uh, they honor him they bring him the praises 24 hours a day okay it's an expression it i don't think it means that there's going to be day and night in heaven i just think it speaks about the fact that Day and night, they worship God. Day and night, they bring glory to Him. Day and night, they serve Him. It just means 24 hours, continuously, they um, worship Him. All right. Now, we read in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church. That's Jesus Christ, now. Eh? that he might present the church to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it did that it should be holy and without blemish. Absolutely amazing. So, Jesus Christ, uh, what he does with his church on this earth, we are living on this earth, we are living in this world, we are involved in the things of this world, uh, not, not in the sense of the the bad things of this world, but I mean the things that we find in this world, we involved in these things. But in the midst of all of this, Jesus Christ is preparing a people for himself that he's going to take to heaven that will be with him forever and ever. And he will cleanse them and he will make sure that they are righteous and they are right before God. And he's going to take them into heaven to be with him forever and ever. Oh, it's so beautiful. Now, Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, speaks of this very same thing. It says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them, and be their God. You see, this idea of God dwelling among His people is is in the book of Revelation. It's clearly there. And it's so wonderful to know that the Almighty God is going to be with His people. His dwelling place will be with them. Oh, it's going to be such a beautiful thing. It's going to be so wonderful that the Almighty God is going to be in the midst of His people. Beloved, there's not going to be any more tears and pain and suffering and all kinds of things because God is there. Verse 16 of Revelation chapter 7 says, They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. It's so beautiful. In Isaiah chapter forty nine verse ten we read They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for he that have mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. It's so beautiful. In it. God, the almighty God will be the one that will be in our presence uh, He will be the one who makes sure that we will not hunger or thirst again that the heat of the sun will not smite us that He will have mercy on us that He will lead us and then He will even lead us by springs of water That's where He will guide us. Sounds very much like uh, Psalm 23, doesn't it? Where we read about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me um, by the still waters. It's this, this, this beautiful picture of the Almighty God as our shepherd who looks after us. Beloved, And in the book of Revelation we see this picture unfold again. God in our midst and He looks after us. He protects us. He, he feeds us when we're hungry. We, he thirst, uh, when we are thirsty, He gives us to drink. He will not allow things to touch us that He doesn't want. It's just so amazing. What happens is that, pardon me, that the Almighty God he is the one who looks after the needs of his flock, of his people. And then we need to know and need to remember that Jesus is the light now. Jesus is the light. He is the light that came into this world. He came into this darkness. It doesn't mean that there's a light that shines out of him. It's figurative speech to say that Jesus Christ is our light. But there is such a thing, I believe, as the Shekinah glory of God, in the sense of it is light that emanates from God. It's a light that basically will light up heaven. It will light up the new Jerusalem. It will light up wherever God is. No light will be needed because God will be the light. That's why it's so beautiful to say that Jesus Christ is the light that came into this world. Because Jesus Christ is a representative of God. He is, he is, if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know what God is like, you look at Christ. And when He came as the light, it's because He came to, to show us the glory of God. He came to show us the holiness of God. And so much about God that we didn't know before, Jesus came to reveal those things to us. Oh, it's going to be so awesome. That brings us to verse 17, the last verse in in, uh, the chapter. It says, For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them. Ah, who's the Lamb? Obviously, the Lamb is Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And where is He? In the midst of the throne. Remember, He's the only one worthy to open up the scroll, to break the seals. He's in the midst of the throne. He's in a place where he's worthy to be. Okay? So, we could say that what we are looking at here is heaven, where there's eternal peace and joy. For the Lamb, which in in the midst of the throne shall feed them, that means feed his own, eh? feed his people, and shall lead them, Into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away the tears or all the tears from their eyes. Oh, beloved, listen to that. There will be no tears in heaven because God will wipe away all the tears. There will be no reason to have tears, there will be no reason to be sad because we are in the presence of the Almighty God forever and ever. He's the one who looks after us. He's the one who protects us. He's the one who guided us into eternal life with Him. And when we are with Him, oh, there will be joy and there will be peace. Uh, Jesus will be like a shepherd to us, a shepherd to His sheep. And He will provide in all their needs, and and I, I read this somewhere, that He will make us blissfully happy, I love that. He will make us blissfully happy. And I mean, beloved, just think about it, no more tears in heaven, already that tells us about blissful happiness, a happiness that is beyond our understanding. I, I wonder if we really understand, or really, now we can't comprehend what heaven is going to be like what it's going to be like to be in the presence of Christ, we won't know. Because what He has prepared for us hasn't even come up in our thoughts. It is far beyond our understanding and our thinking what God has prepared for us. The thing is, this passage tells us so beautifully that God's people will be right there with Him in heaven, in glory. Right there at the throne of the Almighty God. Beloved, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. I, I think the question is, are we ready? Are we ready for heaven? Or are we so, how can I say, so happy with where we are at? You know, we go to church, we do all the churchy stuff, we do all the Christian kind of stuff. question is are we really ready for heaven are we being sanctified on a daily basis are we living holy lives are we being transformed into the image and likeness of christ are we living the kind of lives that are pleasing to god are we doing what god wants us to do Beloved, do we really, really, truly trust Jesus Christ to get us into heaven? That we put our full trust in Him? Do we really have faith in Jesus Christ? Do we really have faith in Jesus Christ? Do we really trust Him? It's like this, um, Stefan said it before, I, I did it, I can't remember exactly, but... Some years ago, I think uh, I did it at the church to explain what what faith is. And faith is basically if you take a chair and you place the chair on the the floor and you take someone that's never, ever seen that chair and never sat on that chair and you say to that person, listen, there's a chair. Uh, I would like you to go and sit on it. What will the person do? before they sit on it. Obviously, they will look at the chair and they have enough knowledge of chairs or let's say materials. Let's say it's a plastic chair. They will have enough knowledge about plastic chairs to be able to look at that chair and to say, you know what? I think that chair will be able to carry my weight. Or that person will be able to say, you know what? I don't think that chair will be able to carry my weight. So what that person needs before they will be able to to sit on that chair and trust the chair that the chair will actually hold their, their weight is they need to have knowledge. A certain amount of information about that chair to help them to be able to make that decision that they will be able to sit on that chair. So let's say that person knows a little bit about chairs and plastic and all kinds of things and that person looks at the chair and says, okay, I think I can trust that chair. I think I can um, sit on it. So they go and sit on that chair. So they've got knowledge and now they go and they sit on that chair. The question is, are they really trusting that chair with everything that's in them? Because remember, that person still has their feet on the chair, or on the floor. So there's still weight that's not placed on the chair. That person only actually trusts that chair if they place their full weight, everything on the chair itself. When they pick up their legs and put it on the chair and that chair carries their full weight, that's when they really, truly trust that chair. Beloved, and that's what saving faith is all about. You and I have knowledge of Jesus Christ and then what we do is we, we say, you know what? Yeah, we can we can trust Him because of what we know. We can trust Him that He is the one that will be able to um, get me into heaven. And that's when we place our full trust, our full reliance upon Jesus Christ, on Him alone to um, to get us into heaven uh, so that we can be with Him forever and ever and ever. And that, by the way, is saving faith. Okay? So it's knowing. We need knowledge. Then we need acceptance. That's why a person that looks at the chair will first use their knowledge that they have. And obviously, where do we get the knowledge about Christ? We get it in God's Word. We get it through the Gospel. So we have that knowledge and then we have acceptance. We look at the chair and we say, yeah, I accept that this chair can carry my weight and then I go and sit on that chair. And then after acceptance comes that full trust in Jesus Christ that he's the one who will be able to save me and to take me into heaven. And I trust him completely. I don't trust in anything that I have because I'm actually sitting with my whole weight on that chair. I fully, completely trust that chair. It's like a parachute as well. If you take a parachute nah, and you get into a plane and somebody tells you, listen, here's a sh- parachute for you. Um, it will make your your flight comfortable and you will enjoy this flight, but you've got to put the k- parachute on and you've got to keep it on. So chances are you're going to take the parachute, put it on because the person wants you to put it on. So you put the parachute on. Uh, you go and sit down. You put the um uh, what do you call that? Um, Yeah, you're going to sit on the chair and um, the plane takes off. Okay. And after a while, you're going to sit there and say to yourself, but this is not comfortable. You've got this massive hump on your back, this parachute that, that makes the flight extremely uncomfortable. What will normally happen if somebody would sit in a plane with a with a parachute. They will sit there for a while and when it becomes uncomfortable, most probably the person will take the parachute off and just throw it to one side and say, I don't need this. And that's what happens sometimes when the gospel is preached. The gospel is preached and then people will say, or those who preach the gospel will say to sinners, listen, you need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus to make your life comfortable. You need Jesus to to uh, enhance your, your traveling on this earth until you get to heaven. You need Jesus. So what the person does is they say, all right, I'll try Jesus. So they start following Jesus. But beloved, to follow Christ is hard. To do what God wants us to do is tough. To be obedient to him in all things is, is hard to do. To trust in Christ Jesus and to go through the trials of life and so on is difficult. So what happens after a while? People that said, okay, I'll try Jesus. They will say, but no, man, this is uncomfortable. I can't even enjoy my life anymore. So what do they do? They throw Christ off and they never ever want to put him on again. It's like that parachute. But if you get onto the plane... And you are told that this parachute, you've got to put it on because this plane is going to take off, but this plane is never going to land again. So there's going to be a time in this flight that you will have to jump out of this plane. And the only thing that will be able to save you is this parachute. Beloved, then normally what happens is somebody will go and sit down. Even though this parachute is quite uncomfortable, the person will still keep that parachute on, they will not just take it off. They will take it on because they know their life relies or their, how can I say, survival relies on this parachute. So they will put their full faith and trust in that parachute. And when the time comes, when they have to jump out of the plane, they have to shoot on. And that's exactly the same way. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we might say, oh, it's hard to walk with him. It's hard to, 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 to um, how can I say, to live this Christian life, because it's not easy. But if I know that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save me, and the day comes when I exchange this life for eternal life, you know what will happen? I will still trust in Christ, because I know he's the only hope I have. For salvation he's the only one that can save me so beloved I I want to ask you this question are you ready for heaven do you fully trust in Jesus Christ in him alone for your salvation do you believe that Jesus Christ alone is able to get you into heaven? Is He the only one? Is He the way, the truth, and the life? Is He the only way that you can get to the Father? Have you put your trust in Him? Beloved, for us to be before the throne, where Christ Jesus is in the middle, the Lamb is in the middle of the throne, for us to be there, we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. We must have repented of our sin, turned away from our sin. We must trust Him and Him alone for our salvation. Because He is the only way. There is no other way for us to be saved. He is the only way to be saved. And and the book of Revelation, speaking about the throne, speaking about God, um on his throne, speaking about Christ in the midst of the throne, talking about the 24 elders representative of all the believers of all the ages uh, being at the throne, talking about the angels at the throne and the the beings being, being around the throne. Beloved, it's speaking about a glorious hope we have, something that is in the future that we can look forward to, but we must be saved. So that's why I ask you the question, are you ready for heaven? Are you ready? Because if you're not, won't you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask Him to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to reconcile you with God the Father and one day take you to heaven? Won't you do that now? Beloved, because there's a day, there's a day that's coming when we will no longer be able to cry out to Him. We don't have any guarantee that we're going to live tomorrow. We don't have any guarantee that we will be going into the tribulation period or we don't have any guarantee that we are going to die before the tribulation period. And those who believe in the rapture, they have no guarantee that they will be raptured. Accept if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we can know whether there's a rapture or whether there's a, um, a taking up to meet Jesus Christ in the air or whether I die, I will be with Christ forever and ever. And that's our hope. Beloved, that's what the book of Revelation brings to us. It's a book of hope. It's a book that tells us that there's hope in Christ that we can have eternal life through Christ, that we can stand before the throne of the Almighty God and of the Lamb because He saved us by His grace. Oh, what a glorious hope we have. And beloved, it's a gift from God. Won't you accept His gift of salvation and be in front of Jesus Christ or before Him at his throne. Oh, what a day it's going to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we have the book of Revelation and especially chapter 7 that that gives us this amazing revelation of what happens in heaven where we get this glimpse of the throne where you as the living almighty God is. Father, I pray that If there be anyone who is listening to this message, who has not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who have not been saved by grace alone through faith alone as a gift from you and received that gift of salvation, yet repented of their sin, I pray, may today be that day. And I pray for those who are saved, who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who have been born again, those who have repented of their sin, I pray, Father, please, Make this this hope that we find in the book of Revelation, make it alive in us. May we live in this hope and may we have joy and, 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 um, and excitement because there's going to be a day when we will be with you forever and ever. No more crying, no more tears, no more unhappiness because we are with you. Oh, we long for that day. And may that day be sooner than later because with all the saints through all the ages we want to cry out Maranatha come Lord Jesus come oh we want to be with you we want to be in your presence and we want to know you and be with you oh Father this we pray in Jesus name Amen Beloved thank you very much for listening may the Lord bless you and keep you may his face shine upon you and may he give you his peace as we look forward to that amazing day when we will see Christ face to face, be in heaven with no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more crying, no more um, longing to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because we will be in his presence. God willing, until next time, bye-bye.